Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. This is Lee Habib, and this is Our American Stories, and you're listening to our Halloween special. And what's more associated with Halloween than pumpkins? Today, we have the story of competitive pumpkin grower Joe Jutras. Joe is a retired cabinet maker from Rhode Island. Since his retirement, he has dedicated most of his time to growing giant fruits and vegetables. In 2017, he broke the record for the largest green squash ever grown, coming in at 2,118 pounds. Here's Joe 
with his story. I've been growing giant vegetables now for the last 25 years. Got started years ago just by accident. I started growing vegetables in my backyard. I threw in a giant pumpkin seed. I grew it to 124 pounds, and from then on, I was hooked. A couple of years later, I got hooked up with a gentleman here in Rhode Island. His name is John Castellucci. He's like the godfather of pumpkin growing here in uh, New England. He started in the early 90s. He had great success, real gentleman, helped anybody that wanted to learn how to grow pumpkins. So my friend Steve Spurry and I, we, uh, we spent a lot of time in his house just drinking some beers and learning how to grow pumpkins. And from then on, we just got hooked and enjoyed growing, met people from all over the world. This hobby attracts people from all strains of life from cabinet makers to scientists. There seems to be an addictive quality to growing these giant fruits and vegetables. It's remarkable how many people you meet that all have the same interest of growing fruit and just enjoy being outside uh, growing these large vegetables. It's been one of the best pots. I know my wife really enjoys it. We have get-togethers, we have cruises that we go on with pumpkin people. It's very competitive, but then again, it's such a, a long season. We, we start these fruit in beginning of April, and we're not finished a lot of these way off until October. So, you know, you've got a fruit on the hook for like 100, 110, 120 days. That, that's a long time to have a fruit being healthy, and a lot of things can happen, a lot of weather-related problems you can run into, and bugs and diseases. And it, it takes a lot to get a, a pumpkin to the finish line. So. When we go to these way-offs, we're all happy for each other just to, to see everybody getting a fruit there. And a lot of people grow multiple fruit just so that you do uh, have a fruit at the way-off time, hopefully. <laughs> to get the full advantage of your growing season, you want to try to get these in probably about three or four weeks before your last frost, which means you have to grow them in a greenhouse. We use heating cables to warm up the soil. We use uh, lights, we use like a small greenhouse. My greenhouses are like a five by seven. After we've got the pumpkin going, I'd say we've grown them in that greenhouse for probably four or five weeks. It's probably about the first week of May by the time we take it out here in Rhode Island. And the race is on. We're growing these plants. Uh, you're trying to set this fruit out on the main vine, probably 10 to 12 feet at least. Preferably 14 to 16 feet is even better. You've got probably 10 side vines on either side of the fruit. And uh, you plant probably 500 square feet, 400 square feet at pollination time. And by that time, your fruit at 20 days old is really starting to put on the weight. You could be putting anything on like maybe 30 pounds a day at, at 20 days old. And by 25 days old, you could be putting 30 pounds on. And by 40 days, you could be putting 40 or 50 pounds on if, if you know, you've really got one hooked up. I was fortunate enough to, in 2006, grow a world record longboard. Actually, the very first time I, I tried, I, I grew a world record. And the year after that, 2007, I had started a new garden, I, I grew the world record pumpkins. And ever since then, I was trying to grow the world's largest green squash. It's a different, it's similar to a pumpkin, but the color is different. Just a, a little different in growing them. The earlier ones back in uh, 2007, 2008, they were harder to grow. 
I think what happened, the gene pool was so closely related that they had a lot of problems with pollinations and there weren't as many people growing them. There's like nine, pe nine times more people growing giant pumpkins than there are squash. This hobby of giant fruit growing turns out to be quite the science. But a little over the last decade, some people wanted to make their chances of growing a giant green squash a little higher. And after a few years of crossbreeding squashes and pumpkins, there are a lot more people growing giant green squash. Part of the reason this type of fruit is so difficult to grow is that pumpkins and the color orange are actually dominant. So the growers will take the seeds from the squash-pumpkin hybrid and plant multiple seeds in hopes to grow a green squash, in which they have a one in four chance of getting one. These giant fruits that are being grown have gone through lots of breeding and pollinating seasons in order to become these world-record-breaking 2,000-pound monster produce. Before these large fruits are brought to scale, the growers try to estimate just how much they will weigh. We have a way of measuring these fruits so we have an idea how heavy they are. I call it OTT, it's over-the-top measurement, where you take a circumference measurement, side-to-side -side measurement, front-to-back measurement, you add them all up, and you know you may come up to 480, 500 inches, and you put that measurement up against a chart, and the chart is changing all the time depending on how heavy the pumpkins get. And it'll give you an estimate of how much your pumpkin should weigh by the cubic inches of your pumpkin. So uh, you have an idea how many pounds is growing. Pretty exciting when you can gain 300 pounds a week, 280 pounds a week. And you've been listening to Joe Jutras telling the story about his retirement hobby which has grown into a pretty serious hobby and a world record-breaking hobby. And my goodness, what it takes to grow one of these monsters, how complex it is, all the exigencies of surviving through a 120-day growth season. And that's a long time to get from beginning to end. As he put it, it takes a lot to get a pumpkin that size to the finish line. When we come back, more of Joe Jutras's story the giant pumpkin and squash grower from Rhode Island, here on Our American Stories. Folks, if you love the great American stories we tell and love America like we do, we're asking you to become a part of the Our American Stories family. If you agree that America is a good and great country, please make a donation. A monthly gift of $17.76 is fast becoming a favorite option for supporters. Go to OurAmericanStories.com now and go to the Donate button and help us keep the great American stories coming. That's OurAmericanStories.com. And we continue with Our American Stories and our Halloween special, We've been listening to Joe Jutras, a giant pumpkin grower who holds the world record for growing the largest green squash. He's been sharing with us all that goes into growing these giant fruits and vegetables. Let's return to Joe. You can actually see that pumpkin growing, especially at the beginning, between day, day 20 to day 40, it changes the shape daily and triples, quadruples in size uh, in, in that amount of time. 
once they start getting bigger, you know, every inch is like 10, 10, 11, 12 pounds. So they don't change as much. They, you know, like anybody else, they get more, more cracks and age spots and uh, <laughs> just about. Uh, and they, they tend to, uh, seem to gain more weight as they get older too, just like anybody else. You know, they start packing on the weight. Just very rewarding to, to see a fruit grow and get it to the scale and, you know, watch other people have their pumpkin come to the scale and they're thinking it's, you know, uh, say 1,000 pounds and it ends up being uh, 1,150 pounds. Well, they, 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 they grew quite a bit over the scale. You know, they're double-digit heavy, so that, that's great. They adjust this chart all the time so that they're either 5% over or 5% below, uh, trying to be as accurate as they can. In Joe Jutra's first attempt to grow his world-record-breaking green squash, he grew 12 plants. And out of the 12, only one was green. And it grew to a mere 1,252 pounds. But in 2017, when he tried again with a different seed, it brought him his world-record-breaking green squash of 2,118 pounds. Yeah, the year I grew the world-record squash, you know, you have a very good idea. You've got a good one growing. And that same year, Scott Holbert grew that same 1844 seed. So we both had one going. And, you know, your friends, you talk with one another. And you say, gee, how are you doing, Scott? Oh, I'm doing, you know, close to 1,900 pounds. You're saying, you're trying to do the math. All right, mine's mine's close to 2,000 pounds. I, I think I taped out measuring like 2,009 pounds. So if he's taping 1,900, I go light, he goes heavy, you know, Either one of us could win. Well, at the end of it, I went 5% heavy, he went 5% light. So that's a big difference. In 2017, after a long season of hard work growing these giant produce, the weigh-in day arrived. And getting these fruits to weigh-in is quite the process and takes a team effort. It's called Fat Friday. The day before our weigh-off is usually on a Saturday. We help help each other out. There's four or five guys that get together and we have a tripod with a harness on that goes around the bottom of the pumpkin. You have a chain fall and you're able to lift the pumpkin up by this harness from the uh, tripod without actually having to lift any weight whatsoever. And these fruit now are so big that you have to have a trailer because they won't fit in the back of a pickup truck any longer. So we pick it up in the air, we push the trailer underneath, we let it down, hook it up to the truck and we pull it out. Now, we, we bring it to the, uh, the farm we have this way off in Warren, Rhode Island, Farish's farm. We set up things for the following day. We usually wait till the end. We weigh the, the biggest ones last by the measurement, go by how it goes. And just that day I won the world record, I was fortunate I had the biggest fruit there and it ended up weighing the heaviest. I was very surprised that it went 5% heavy because you know, I was just hoping for something that could beat 1844, which was the world record. So that to really come in 2118, it was a, a dream come true, that's for sure, <laughs> to say the least. It's going to be a hot record to beat because that was, uh, that was a, a very, uh, very large fruit. Even nowadays, that at the time, that was the 13th largest fruit ever grown, pumpkins and squash. Now, since then, there's probably about another 30 or 40 ones that are as big or bigger than that. But there's not really any green squash that 
have come close to that other than my uh, 1935. There is no doubt seeing these giant pumpkins or squash on the road would be a sight to see. Well, the funny part of this is when you're going down the road, because some, some of these wayoffs we go to are in upstate Connecticut near the New York line, and you're on 95, and you've got people taking pictures and hanging out the windows and putting their thumbs up and almost running you off the road. <laughs> it's, uh, that, that's the scary part is when you've got people, they're not watching where they're going, and they're, you know, they're really excited and they're taking pictures and they're beeping their horns. And, uh, it's, <laughs> everyone enjoys a, a large pumpkin going down the road. Some people probably have never seen it before, and they're, they're really in awe when they do see it. So that's the part that's uh, exciting. And you get to the way off, and you, you have families and kids that look at it, and uh, it's like a Christmas tree, a big pumpkin. You know, it's uh, <laughs> it's something everybody enjoys looking at. There's a, a pumpkin organization called the GPC, and they're something like a government of the pumpkin growers. The GPC is the Great Pumpkin Commonwealth, the organization that makes sure everyone is on the same page when it comes to growing and measuring these giant fruits and vegetables. So it's very important that we do have a GPC to to, uh, control the the pumpkin community and that everybody is is, uh, judged fairly. And we have a a yearly convention that's put on by the GPC and that's a good time where everyone gets together. It's usually about two or three hundred people from all over the world. We give out awards, and uh, usually the growers who grow the largest squash or fruit or vegetables, depending on what it is, they do a PowerPoint presentation, and everyone learns from you know what the newest strategies were, how they did it, and what what not to do, what to do. Uh, it's just as important as what to do as what not to do. Uh, what you can learn from other people's mistakes. You certainly don't want to make them all yourself. The best thing about this hobby is the friends that you meet, I think. It's, you know, I enjoy fishing too, and I've got a bunch of fishing buddies that I really enjoy fishing with. You know, can't wait to talk about the fish we caught and how to catch them and what to use. It's basically the same thing when you're growing giant pumpkins. What are you using to fertilize? What are you using to spray? What are you using for fungicides? What do you think of this seed? What do you think of that seed? Uh, what are you growing next year? Uh, how'd you do it? <laughs> it's, it's just really a lot of friendship too. It's not only uh, the work of growing them, it's people you meet and the friends you, you uh, acquire over the years. It's just, uh, just so much fun. Joe Jutris is now in his 60s and he has no intention of stopping his hobby anytime soon. You know, God willing, if um, I'm still fit, and this this sport really uh, really keeps you moving. You know, you're out there first thing, crack of dawn, working on these plants, stretching and moving and up and down, and it's quite a bit of physical work to it. I'd like to do it as long as I can. I, I know my buddy Eddie, who I'm helping now, he's 83, and he likes growing these fruit as much as anybody I know, and he, he just w- can't wait to get up in the morning to get out there and work on them. Granted that, you know, at 83, you're not able to do it as well as you can at 40 or 50 or 60, but uh, he still still does a heck of a job at it. I know it's not for everybody. It's, it's quite a bit of work. Not everybody has to take it quite as serious as a competitive pumpkin grower. Just to grow one in your backyard, to have a two or 300 pounder on your step 
is a great achievement over the summer and it's very attainable now with the seeds we have. Just about everybody has room for a, a 10 by 15 foot garden and you could easily grow two, three, 500 pound fruit without a heck of a lot of work, I think. And a great job, as always, by Faith and Robbie telling the story of Joe Jutris. And my goodness, what a passion he has. And my goodness, how many of us have a world record in anything? And if it's the squash world record, so be it. 2,118 pounds done in 2017. And Joe's pride and joy, but still out there competing and wanting to win. And most importantly, sharing his hobby with pals. And that's what it really is all about. We all have those hobbies, and what really brings us together is more than the passion for the thing, but the people we meet and the friendships we make. Joe Jutris's story here on Our American Stories. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in our lives, big ones and small ones. If we keep them bottled up, boy, that can be a real problem. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I know people who've profoundly benefited from therapy, learning everything from coping skills to setting boundaries in their life. You don't have to have experienced major trauma to benefit from therapy. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's safe. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash OAS today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash OAS. BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash OAS. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. And we continue with our American stories. Today, Lisa is going to be unpacking the history of the Halloween haunted house, which is directly tied into today's practice of trick-or-treating. Lisa is the author of Trick or Treat, A History of Halloween. By the turn of the 20th century, Halloween in America was nothing more than a day of pranking, kind of like April Fool's Day. Here's Lisa Morton with the story. So it was all good fun at first, but then by the 20th century, as America is becoming much more urbanized and more populated, these pranks move into the cities. And when they move into the cities, they become much less nice. Um, Now they are about destroying things, about uh, shattering glass bulbs and windows. They are about setting fires, tripping pedestrians. And by the 30s, they are causing millions of dollars of damage. And this is also during the Great Depression, when a lot of these cities don't even have the money to pay for all of the damage that's resulting from this vandalism. And a lot of cities at this point considered dropping Halloween or trying to ban it. But fortunately, there were a few places where cooler heads prevailed and said, you know, maybe we can buy these kids off instead of trying to ban this holiday because that could backfire on us, which it would have. And they got together and they actually put out little pamphlets in many of the cities that would tell homeowners how to do this. So these um, little pamphlets would suggest that the homeowners get together. Again, we're still during the Great Depression. A lot of homeowners don't have money to spare for parties and so forth. But if enough of the houses got together in one street, they could put something together for the kids. And these were called house-to-house parties. And the way they would work was the first house might give the kids a very simple costume, probably just a sheet with two holes cut in it. The kids would get to be ghosts. The next house would give the kids maybe a little spooky entertainment like they'd have the basement, uh, the lights shut off, a little thing where the kids would have to go through the basement. Somebody might jump out and frighten them. This becomes kind of the very earliest version of our modern haunted attraction. And then the next house would give the kids a little treat. 
Trick-or-treat fortunately did not go away because it remained something that was such an important part of the sort of psyche of so many baby boomers, and they wanted to share that with their kids, but they also wanted to continue their love for Halloween. So they started decorating their yards extensively, and this really picks up speed in the 80s and the 1990s. And we start to have also huge-scale professional haunted attractions emerging in the 90s. The haunted attractions had originally come, as we mentioned earlier, from things like uh, basement parties and so forth. And there were early things called trails of terror, which were held outdoors. And these were things where kids would have to make their way through a little forest area that had been set up to scare them with people hiding behind trees or um, spooky things draped in the trees. And in the 70s, we started to get two nonprofit groups that realized they could make a lot of money with haunted attractions. The first one was the JCs, the Junior Chamber of Commerce. And the second one was Campus Life, which was a Christian organization. And Campus Life kind of took the haunted attractions from the JCs, which had been fairly innocent, and added whole new layers of gore and violence to them. And that really became the model for the haunted attraction moving forward from there. So by the 80s, we start to get the big amusement parks in Southern California mainly who realize that they have this dead spot in their calendar every fall. And maybe they can take this model of these haunted attractions and turn a serious fall profit from that. Knott's is the first one that tries it, turning Knott's Berry Farm, of course, into Knott's Scary Farm. And it becomes gigantic for them. Um, It began in the mid-80s. It picked up speed. Now, of course, it is a gigantic thing that Knott's does every year with something like a dozen different mazes and scare zones. And it's, it's become a huge part of their yearly business plan. And it's spread, of course, to other amusement parks. And it has now even spread to amusement parks outside of the U.S. There are um, amusement parks in Europe especially that are now holding Halloween celebrations. One of the other amusement park haunted attractions that contributed gigantically to the growth of the modern haunted attraction industry was the Haunted Mansion at Disneyland. It is just incredibly influential. It cannot really be understated what an important part of the development of haunted attractions that was. It had been conceived early on at Disneyland when Walt was still alive. It was something he always wanted to do. And for years, his Imagineers debated how to put it together. They considered originally doing it as a walkthrough attraction, which, of course, would be even more similar to modern haunted attractions. Walt's idea was always to take the old dark rides that you could find at carnivals and sort of upgrade them, make them much more technologically savvy and much cleaner and and more involving, have an actual story throughout, that kind of thing. And he unfortunately passed away before the Haunted Mansion was completed, but his Imagineers continued with it. They always had a little bit of a debate about whether to go more scary or more whimsical with it. And in the end, they kind of compromised. They gave it the best of both worlds. When it opened in 1969, it was really 
a gigantic explosion in terms of haunted attractions. I mean, no, no longer was it something you might find at a carnival where you're in a rickety car and there's a nasty old skeleton on a string overhead. They used both some very modern technology and some old technology that they repurposed in such brilliant ways. The whole idea, for example, of when you go past the haunted ballroom and you see the whirling figures uses an old technology that dates back to the 19th century called Pepper's Glass which is a special kind of mirror that is positioned in such a way or special glass that it reflects the images and makes them look translucent and so forth. The whirling ghosts are actually figures that are below you when you are going along in your car, but the glass is tilted and positioned in such a way that you're seeing the translucent figures in front of you. And of course the design of the Haunted Mansion was sheer genius and it's interesting how many professional haunters, because yes there are professional haunters, will point at the Haunted Mansion as the seminal thing that they saw as a child that made them want to pursue this as a career. So. This big-scale professional haunt spreads to independent haunts as well. There are now around 3,000 professional independent haunts that are set up every Halloween throughout the U.S. That, again, is another idea that is spreading around the world. And these haunts created an entire industry. The haunted attractions industry, estimates of their net worth now run as high as a billion a year. They have taken some of the sort of revenue that used to go to film industry and are putting it into these haunted attractions as they are using a lot of the film technicians. People who used to work in special effects are now finding that they may be out of work in Hollywood because of CGI and computers, but they can go to a haunted attraction and they can get employment there. And in some of these cases, they're getting employment all year round from this. So the haunted attractions become gigantic and are now such a a huge part of our modern Halloween. The haunted attractions kind of sit right alongside trick-or-treating for the kids, haunted attractions for the older kids and for the adults. And great work as always by Greg Hengler on the storytelling and production and a special thanks to Lisa Morton, author of Trick or Treat. Go to Amazon.com to find her book. The story of the haunted house and so much more here on Our American Stories. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER.
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. And we return to Our American Stories and our Halloween special. Up next, a story about a man in a hermetically sealed see-through coffin in Benton Harbor, Michigan. Here's our own Monty Montgomery with the story of a glass coffin, a robbery, and a local legend. The year is 1927. The place, Benton Harbor, Michigan. Home of the House of David, a religious colony led by Benjamin Purnell who preached that if you followed his message and gave all your worldly possessions to him, you would never die. Unfortunately for Ben, though, he contracted tuberculosis, which he died from. Here's Chris Seriano with what happened next. He didn't teach ever that he was going to die. So here he died. And it's, it was pandemonium. It was mass chaos at the House of David. So Benjamin, they kept wrapped in damp, warm towels for eight days, thinking that he was going to rise again. Finally, the Barron County coroner said, listen, it's been eight days. You either bury the guy or we're going to bury him. But luckily for the House of David, they had the Soviets to look towards for inspiration. Well, during that process of having him wrapped like that, they found out the process that uh, linen in Russia had been uh, used to embalm and put his body in a hermetically sealed glass coffin. That's what they did. And there, Ben Purnell sat for the next 60-some years in his hermetically sealed glass coffin, while his massive mansion decayed around him as the House of David dwindled in numbers due to their belief in celibacy. 
but in 1988, twice the House of David Diamond House got broke into, but the first time that they ran quickly. The second time was not a good day. These kids, these four kids, had studied the movement of the House of David people. They had sat out in the woods. They were locals. They were in their backyard, basically. They figured out when the House of David people moved back and forth around the Diamond House. They came back on a particular day that they knew that there wasn't much movement, Some one of the weekend days. They cut a hole in the roof of the Diamond House mansion where they dropped down and they spent the entire day stealing things. So vases, urns, statues, oil paintings from all over the world, these things came from the richest of rich people that joined. Those things disappeared. Well, one of the worst things that happened was they weren't satisfied with just items that were in the rest of the mansion. They wanted to see Ben because he's, that's a big, big, big part of our local history is him and his body being in there. And they found out that he was in his parlor. There's a stone wall that separates the catwalk from the Diamond House annex into his area. And it's got a big steel bank vault door on it. So there's no way you're getting through that door. And, the, and there's wire, electric wires, like shock wires from the door. So even if you touch the door, you're probably going to go to heaven real quick or somewhere. Right? So they went back. One of them was a contractor. They went back to his house, got a big ramming bar, and they rammed a hole through this stone wall. And they, they made it big enough where they could pull the rest of the rocks out and they could get their bodies through the hole. And they got into his parlor where his tomb is at. And I interviewed those people. They told me, Chris, when we got in there, it was like a pharaoh's tomb. So around Ben's glass-sealed coffin, which is, was up at an angle, were piles and piles of rings and diamonds and rubies and necklaces and vases. And it was like, what happened to the stuff when people came there? The, the beautiful things that they came there with, they couldn't have those anymore, right? They didn't know, they just had to give them away. Well. They were saved, a majority of them were saved in the Diamond House. So when he was buried, he was buried like a, like a pharaoh and, uh, and like a, an emperor. So they took some things off of that. But the sad thing was, is Ben had a 22 karat diamond ring on his finger and a big, huge diamond filled uh, and ruby filled white gold custom made necklace from House of David Jewelers. They wanted those things bad and they took the pry bar, the ramming bar, and pried this, the glass dome off of his coffin, which is hermetically sealed, it can't be sealed again. But they, they, so they broke the ring off of his finger, broke his finger in the meantime, and ripped the medallion off of his neck. Um, and the 22 karat diamond on his finger was one of the biggest in the world at the time. So they got away. They got away with that break-in. And it was advertised all over, everywhere, all over the country. It was a big deal. Finally, the, I interviewed 
the state police officer at my museum one day and he said, Chris, I'm the one that made the arrest. And I said, tell me about it. And he said, we had, we had pictures. The House of David had, people had pictures of all these things that were in the Diamond House. And, and he said, we're, me and my partner are driving through Benton Heights, which is a rough part of Dodge in this area. And uh, we look over and in front of this trailer is this little nickel plated parlor stove with flowers growing out of it. That was it, right? So they walked up to the door, knocked on the door, and a lady answered and, and uh, said, ma'am, we love that stove that you have out there. Can you tell us where you, where we can get something like that? And she said, well, my ex gave it to me for some gift, but he doesn't live here anymore, but here's his name and phone number. Bam, he gets busted, he's got loose lips, they all go, to, they all go down, right? So come to find out, and both the people that did the job, did the stealing, and the police officer told me that what happened was because there was such a massive amount of things, because it was so written about in the media, they were afraid to sell up everything. So they took everything and divided it equally amongst them, and then they would take it and hide it. One hid it like in the upstairs of his barn. The other guy hid it in a storage area in his basement. The lady, hit it, Clawson lady, hit it underneath her wrap around her mobile home. None of them sold anything. They, so they got all that stuff back, except the 22 karat diamond ring, which McCoy Brothers appraised at like two and a half million dollars, and the giant medallion, which was appraised at over a half a million dollars. They found out that those kids took those to the south side of Chicago and sold them to a uh, jewelry dealer there, like a swap guy, for 12,000 cash. And then he, back then you didn't have to have anybody's driver's license, you didn't have to ask questions, you just bought stuff and sold stuff. So he had taken the diamond and out and sold it to a diamond buying place in London for like 60,000. Supposedly they chopped it up and sold it off differently so it wouldn't be detected. But that that's all gone now. The scariest thing was the girl that told me the story. She came in my museum twice, two days in a row, spent hours without saying one word. And finally, uh, I went up to her, my mom and I were there, and I said, you seem really fascinated by this story. Can, can you tell me why? And she said, do you want to know? And I said, yeah, I do want to know. And she said, I'm the one that broke in the diamond house. And I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, th this is all my stuff is right here in front of her. And she was capable of getting into this place. So she went on to tell me the whole story. The whole, all the details, it was so good. I should have filmed her, but she was a mammoth girl. She kind of killed me. But in the end, she said, Chris, you know what? I would do it again right now. She says the best high I ever had in my life. <laughs> I'm thinking, I can't buy a good enough security system at this point. <laughs> and it's a big country, my mom used to always tell me as a kid explaining the unexplainable to me and the fun and the weird and my goodness this is both fun and weird and as hard as these guys and this one sort of cult leader 
tried to talk about his eternal life and everyone else's. Well, a little something happened. He died. <laughs> and everybody else was going to die, too. The story of a strange, almost little cult in Benton Harbor, Michigan. The House of David, here on Our American Story. Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth no matter who you are. Mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com.